Hey, everybody, welcome. Glad to have you here for week two of our series called The Struggle, a conversation about addiction. And whether you're here in our Kernersville, North Carolina campus or joining us at our other locations, or whether you're on the internet, we are delighted to have you as a part of this service. We've been talking for the past two weeks about the goal of this series is to make us more aware of how patterns in our life can lead to further destruction. We all suffer, uh, we all struggle with pain, but our choices with that pain can lead us into more destructive patterns. And that's what we wanted you to be aware of and at least allow our church to have the opportunity to start speaking into these patterns in our life. Uh, want you to know that the Lord's desire is for us to have healing and victory in our life. His desire is for us to have healing and victory in our life. And uh, we have especially the privilege today of being able to have one of my good friends here talking about this with me. And this is Shane Pugh. Uh, Shane is an addiction counselor at Fellowship Hall, the renowned treatment center in Greensboro, North Carolina. And uh, he's one of the counselors that's there. He and his wife, Alicia, are in our church. They've been a part of our life care ministry as marriage mentors and then also have done uh, couples uh, circle groups in our church. So we're happy to have them and their two beautiful kids in this. Shane, we're glad you're here, brother. Thanks for having me, Ike. You know, part of the, the promise of God is that he wants us to be aware that he has healing for us. I want you to look at these two verses. Uh, in Psalm 146, God promises he frees the prisoners. He lifts the burdens from those bent down beneath their loads. That's what it feels like to have compulsive patterns that lead us into huge burdens that cause us to feel bent under the load of all of that pain. But God promises that he's going to free us from that misery, from those prisons. And then he says in Jeremiah, this promise, I'll give you back your health and I will heal your wounds. He is the healer of our lives with addictions as well as all kinds of pain in every area of our life. God wants us to start relying on him as the healer. Shane and I were talking about this area of recovery that he's been in for some time. And we talked about the very first fact of having recovery is that I've got to get to the place where I recognize the drift that I start moving toward uh, in destructive habits or choices. Is that true for you? How did that happen for you, Shane? I was 15 years old, and I'm going through some really difficult times in my life. My parents are going through a rough divorce, and I'm not getting the supervision that I probably should be getting as a 15-year-old. And um, I'm associating with people who are already starting to drink and use other drugs. I have a lot more freedom, and so it's more available, and I started to try these different substances. And at first I really liked them. I liked the way it made me feel. I liked the relief it gave me. Yes. And I knew for sure that I wanted to continue to do it. Yeah, it was numbing out the pain 
of the breakup of your parents and all of the, the misery that you were living in. Yeah, our life got thrown upside down, you know, and they did the best they could with what was going on with them. Yeah. But again, too, just having that freedom and and uh, having those people in my life, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, your tendency to control the pain led to this numb out by using. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like I said, relief. Get some yeah. relief. Mm-hmm. So we talked last week about some of the stages of addiction. And these stages, everybody who struggles with these compulsive tendencies, and we tried last week to make sure you understood it's probably you, but uh, if you go through these patterns of these struggles, uh, you start seeing the stages of addiction, experimentation, occasional use, regular use, and then moving over into that line of addiction is so different for each individual as to where we cross that line into begin, into being physically addicted to the substances or the activity that we're doing. Did you see yourself at all in any of these phases, Shane? Yes. Uh, so I went through the first two pretty quickly and on, on into regular use uh, later in high school and then... Well, I had you know, 20 years I was using, you know, from 15 to 35, using some kind of substance throughout that time. So I think dependence really came a little bit later mm-hmm. and I stayed in that until I got into treatment. And awareness about moving through this, you had no idea? No idea. Uh, addiction, okay. part of addiction is denial. And so at the time, it's really starting to be normal for me. It's like get through the week, get to the weekend get with my friends and let's do what we do. Yeah. And so, but I did have some people in my life that were noticing some differences with me and they were trying to point those out, but I wasn't trying to hear it. Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the second thing that I want us to talk about and spend the bulk of our time with you this morning is talking about the steps toward recovery. How do we move in this direction? Uh, you remember last week, Pastor Jonathan and I were talking about the very first step of recovery is being aware that I'm powerless to control these tendencies that are a part of my life. Did you ever experience that powerlessness? Yeah, well, I started to get some of the effects of what I was doing uh, in high school. I was, you know, at one point a good student making A's and B's, and the more I was engaging in these activities, the less I was concerned about my grades. <laughs> and so those really started to suffer. And as a result as well, uh, my senior year, I was ineligible to play baseball, which was pretty devastating for me and my family. And that, actually my coach, I remember my coach calling me in his office today that he found out I was ineligible and he was in tears. And so it, that was really one of the first major consequences I had. Again, at the time, I'm in denial. I'm blaming it on other things. You know, well, my teacher, my teacher gave me an F, you know. One of my teachers was the athletic director. So I figured for sure he wouldn't give me an F. Come to find out, he didn't give me an F. I earned it. And uh, so I always expected everybody to clean up my mess for me. So, you know, I'm starting to go through some of that. And then on in, you know, I I barely graduated. And then I... Tried community college, which doesn't work so well when you don't actually go, and uh, or do your do your uh, assignments. So didn't make it along there as well, and got stalled out in my life. Really, I 
Um, I got a job working in construction with guys who were doing the same thing I was doing, you know, paid Friday, broke Friday night. <laughs> or sometimes we might make it through the weekend, but, you know, got installed out in that. And I look back now and I know, you know, before I was educated, I knew, man, I was, you know, I, I thought I was just a bad person, but what I know now is I was just sick. And I was, those are symptoms of addiction. I'm stalled out. I can't uh, fulfill my responsibilities. I can't keep money in my pocket and, and so on. Yep. So, uh, You taught me something earlier. You said that you got drinking tickets. Yes. I didn't even know that existed. Yep. We're not talking about DUI. Nope. You know, hanging out with people in public, public places and, and drinking and really, really oblivious to possibly getting in trouble. So. And those things, they get pretty expensive after a while, too. Yeah. You, know, you get enough of them, so. Yeah. When we reach bottom, mm-hmm. so to speak, when we get to the bottom of our addiction and we understand some of the pain that it's just creating, mm-hmm. what steps does God take to lead you into that bottom where there is surrender and willingness? Well, any addict or alcoholic will not stop until they start to get some consequences, period. And a lot of times, uh, they're, they're saved. Family members save them. Uh, you know, an employer might save them or, you know, whatever. So they're not feeling the pain of the consequences, and they continue doing what they're doing. For me, I started to feel that pain. I believe God allowed me to have the pain, those consequences. I was uh, My marriage was pretty much destroyed. I uh, had lost a job that I worked really hard to have for a long time. You were NASCAR. You yeah, were I, worked NASCAR. In, I got to work in NASCAR almost six years and uh, you know, heavily involved in using substances, especially towards the end of that and end up losing that job as well. Yeah. And uh, So I was getting some consequences. Also, uh, my wife and my, and my mother and all them were man, constantly on me about, you need to do something, you need help. And, of course, I thought they were playing. I wasn't really trying to hear it. So, you know, I would lie and, you know, work my way around them. It's not you, it's them. Yeah, always. And see, an addict or alcoholic will take that, you know, that spouse or that family member that's always on them, they'll take it personal, like they're trying to be controlling or they're being disrespectful. And come to find out, they're they're really just... They're trying to help you save your life. They don't want you to die. But you don't, you don't realize that at the time. You're like, man, just stay out of my business. I, I pay my bills. I, you know, I don't miss work or whatever. And, you know, justifying and rationalizing what you're doing. And the family member, especially when you tell them, this is my problem, it's not yours, that's when they look at you like you're crazy. I'm like, what do you do? And uh, you know, especially my wife, you know. She's uh, Alicia was relentless. Relentless. Well, you know, she signed up to have her husband, and she signed up to have the father of our child. And I wasn't able to fulfill those roles because I'm focused on how I'm going to use today. Yeah. And so, and, and thank God she didn't give up on me. Yeah. You know, she was ready. And really, towards the end, that's what got me uh, into treatment was her saying, listen, man, this ain't going, this is not going to fly. And she was preparing to get a divorce. You knew that. Yeah. 
I always share a little story about that. She had a lawyer that cost a whole lot more than mine did, and that wasn't going to end up too well. <laughs> and plus, you know, my daughter's 14 months old, so I'm going to lose any kind of, you know, privileges to be in her life. And then you have this disease in your head that says, well, they'll probably be better off, which is a lie. Yes. And so that right there was like, all right, let's get a divorce or you go to treatment. And I'm like, where, where are we going? Hmm. Of course, I get into treatment, still in denial, and I'm trying to figure out my way around it, as always. That's an addict's brain. How can I get this to turn for me? Yep. Mm-hmm. In that first week of treatment, mm-hmm. you had a moment of clarity. We call it a light zone experience. Yeah. Will you tell us about that? So I had my first uh, visit. My wife and my daughter show up. And you know, my daughter's, like I said, 14 months old. And I'm standing there, and, I, and she's standing behind my wife. And I'm like, I get down on a knee, and I'm like, come here. You know, and she's like, whoa, there's that guy. You know, <laughs> And... Um, I know it was God now. She turned loose of her mom and she ran and jumped in my arms and I just broke. And I haven't cried like that ever. And it was like God working through that moment saying, it's time. The time is now. And I'm so grateful for that moment. Because uh, when that moment happens, then the door opens for God to get in and get involved. Because when I'm running on self-will, and I'm in full-blown addiction, there's no room for God. It's what I want to do and how I want to do it and when I want to do it. So at that moment, God gets involved, and then the resources start to show up for me. Yeah, my, I get the cotton out of my ears, I start hearing what people <laughs> are trying to tell me. So you're open now and willing now. You become humble. I got humbled by my disease, yeah. And if you have this and you're struggling with it, you're going to get humble one way or the other. You know, hopefully you survive. <laughs> survive that happening. So, Shane, the steps toward recovery at that point, mm-hmm. you're in treatment. Mm-hmm. You begin listening to the stories of folks who have had recovery, who have had healing. Mm-hmm. What did that mean to you? Because it's not just about you doing this alone. It's yeah. about listening to others who come to your aid. Yeah. Again, I, I came into treatment hopeless and broken and alone. I felt alone because I had been living a secret life. If you're out here and you're struggling with this disease, you, you know what I'm talking about. You're living two different lives. And for whatever reason, you're afraid uh, to let somebody help you. And that's where I was at. And I thought that nobody had... Well, I thought I was a bad person. I thought nobody had been through what I had been through. Nobody thinks like I think. And then as I, when I got into treatment, I started to hear people. People would come in and share their stories, or we would go out to meetings and hear people share their stories. And I could, I could hear my story and their story. And I heard about the suffering they experienced and the powerlessness they experienced. And then I heard about how they got the the help they needed and how their lives had completely transformed as a result of working these programs and started giving me some hope. Yes. Yeah. I want to ask you one thing. I, I don't think we've, we've, I've asked him this question among the other uh, services that we've done, but mm-hmm. 
God has a way, when we start humbling ourselves, God has a way of opening up a whole new area of blessings in our life. What were the gifts that he gave you because you were in recovery? Yeah. Well, again, he started to provide those resources for me. And one of those was, you know, working a 12-step program for me and what that program and the literature it talks about, if you work this program the way it is directed, it can promise you a daily reprieve from active addiction. And so first and foremost was the gift of not being in that vicious cycle of wake up, obsess about it, get it, get more of it, and then all the consequences that come with that. Again, before I was educated, I would want to stop. I mean, I had one time, even when my daughter was born, I was like, this is the last day I'm ever going to use or drink anything. And, and, and I meant that with all my heart. So when she, she came and I held her in my arms, man, I, you know, I was crying and I was like, you know, this is it. I'm going to be the dad this little girl deserves to have. And I had no defense. I didn't know I was sick. I thought it was a moral issue. And so I made it about a week, and I was back in it. So the shame and the guilt that came with that. So being free, you know, have that daily reprieve, which allows me to be a part of life. Um, I know today that being a parent is a privilege, and I got to work to earn that. And uh, you know, being able to be, you know, in my kid's life. So... <laughs> All right, talking about them kids, man, it gets you. All right, so my daughter is 11 years old, and I have a son who's eight. And um, if I'm clean and sober, I get to be a part of their life. Yes. And the gift that I am able to be a part of is that by being clean and sober and continuing to work a program, I'll allow them to have a safer life as well. They get to be raised in a home where there's not a dark cloud, where they feel safe, where they can properly develop, where they can learn about love, even though sometimes they don't want it, <laughs> especially my 11-year-old. The way she can avoid a hug is crazy. <laughs> It's like, it's like, I was telling somebody, it's like Khalil Mack. You know, anybody, any Bear fans out there, Khalil Mack getting around a blocker. That's how I, I hug air a lot with her, but I still try. And, you know, every once in a while she'll help me out. But uh, being yes. a part of that, uh, also uh, get to be in a marriage and get to work on a marriage. And I have a woman that, in my life that supports what I'm doing and uh, wants the best for me. Uh, also, you know, I got. I got clean and sober. I had to. I couldn't go back to NASCAR, so I had to do something. So, doing service work and recovery, I was going to prisons and jails and detox centers, and got inspired to be a counselor. So I went back to school and was terrified because it's been a long time. But it's amazing when you actually show up to the classes and do your work. <laughs> how that, how well that goes. <laughs> and ask for help. You know, you know, honor student. Graduated, yeah. got a degree, 
So you see, all these doors really started to open. And to me, it was really God just showing off. You, know, you do your part, man, and I'm gonna, and I'll take care of the rest. Absolutely. It's a it's a daily thing I have to commit to. Either you're heading towards recovery or you're heading towards a relapse. If you're an addict or alcoholic, and it's your decision you make each day on what it's going to be. You know, you're not strong enough to do it by yourself. It's not going to magically happen. It's something you got to work for. And, and and most importantly, too, is having those people in your life that you know support you and, and yes. encourage you. And for me, I think God works through those people to give me the you know direction. Those are great gifts. Great gifts. Yeah. And there's, I mean, more than that. I was telling, like, you know, I got bought me a little boat. I go fish. <laughs> we go on trips you know I mean if I'm an active alcoholic or addict I'm not going anywhere with nobody so I get to be a part of life and we were talking about that earlier too you know I get to be an asset now instead of a drain because I was a drain in everybody's life if you were associated with me I was draining you one way or the other so yeah. but to be able to be an asset today is definitely a gift I want you to say one thing I didn't prepare you for this um he and his son are playing uh, March Madness right now mm-hmm. on one of the gaming systems, and they, of course, are North Carolina, uh, and they're winning, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, your son said something to you the other night. Yes. That's one of the gifts that God gives yeah. when you're living the way you should. Yeah, what did he say? He's to eight you? years old. We we're having a conversation last night. I said, "Man, I have to go back to church tomorrow and do that thing again." <laughs> And he goes, well, Dad, you know what? You're doing a good thing. I said, All right. you know, you know the way. Again, just it's just uh, it's mind blowing. Yes. And I had to take him in there, and I said, Look, you need to tell your mom what you just said, man. And uh, you know. Again, it was, again, too, God showing off, and uh, just a little reminder, you know, I got you. Yes. Keep doing what you're doing. So. Yes. There's someone here that's either in this auditorium or watching us that is right in the middle of all of these compulsive patterns of their life becoming unmanageable. What do you want to say to them? What word would you give to them? If you're here or you're watching and you're suffering with this disease, and I, and I say suffering because that's, the, I think, the best word to describe it, is uh, one thing that we know for sure is that it's progressive and it's going to get worse and you're going to experience the worst pain and the worst consequences you've ever had if you don't get proactive about it today and do something about it. I want to encourage you to get honest with somebody that supports you. And I know you're terrified. <laughs> and, uh, but taking that step might save your life. And the family member, if somebody comes to you and says, look, I need to get honest about what's going on with me. Family member needs to be able to check their feelings to the side and say, you know, so you can be available for them to help them get the resources. And it's going to scare you. I know it is. And uh, 
but making yourself available. Shane, every day as a counselor, you see family come into your center, yeah. and they love their loved one. Yeah. They're very involved. Some are spouses. Some are parents. And we have this thing in us. We call it the fix-it bone, where we try to fix everything so that our loved one does not feel any pain. We actually are enabling the attic. What would you say to somebody whose family is in that right now? I know you feel alone. I know you feel overwhelmed. Probably feel hopeless. Definitely feel powerless. You know, family members will go to any length to try to save their loved one. Give them money. Don't give them money. Let them stay with them. Kick them out. And again... Sometimes that allows the addict and alcoholic to not experience those consequences. I want you to know you're not alone. I want you to know there's people out there that have been in your shoes. There's people that want to help you. There's resources available. I think they're going to give you guys some when you leave today. But reach out and get somebody else involved. When you have an active alcoholic or addict in your life, you're really up against a, a powerful force that most likely you can't do anything about. But what, what I see, though, in my job is that you have parents and spouses trying to save them, you know, and, and really they're hurting them. Like I was working with a couple recently, and they're like, and I'm like, listen, you guys, you need to consider not allowing him to come back to your home because that... By doing that and giving them money and all that, you're feeding the beast. And uh, they didn't know how to take that. You know, they were, of course, they were scared, yeah. and they're trying to save them. So you see plenty of those cases. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Thank you for your courage. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. We want you to know that he's already mentioned that there is some resources for you. You're going to be given some resources from Life Care as you leave the service uh, today. That's about uh, some Celebrate Recovery churches in our area. This is a Christ-based 12-step program, and there's so many churches in this area that does celebrate recovery well. We want you to know who they are and how you can go and be a part of that, whether you're a family member or whether you're the person that's struggling with hurts, habits, and hangups. They are there for you to be able to see. Then you'll see other resources, AANA, Al-Anon, Alateen. You also will have the government site that has all of treatment centers that are in our area where you can look up and see what you need. So every resource that you need is there. In life care, we have mentors. We have folks who will pray with you. And then there's one other resource uh, that I want to mention. I'm not sure if Pastor Eric's going to mention it, but we have a new YouTube channel here at the Summit that we are able to give you extended resources beyond these series. So it's brand new. There's two additional videos on how do I know if I'm an addict and what do I do if I have a loved one who's in addiction? So you can go there and look at those sites too.
Here's what we want you to know. If you're in the middle of all of this, the Lord Jesus Christ is your solution. He can heal you. He can reset your feet on solid ground. He can give you recovery. Some of it is about your choices, but it's how he leads you. We are powerless to do this by ourselves, but with his power as God, he will set us free. I want you to look at this promise. This is out of Psalm 107. They they did this. They cried to the Lord. We reach the point where we say, I am powerless. God, only you can do this. Shane talked about it in his own life. And many of you know from your own recovery that there had to be that moment for you to be open. They cried to the Lord in their troubles and he rescued them. He led them from their darkness and the shadow of death in their life and snapped their chains. Oh, to be free from a a bondage, chained life. That's God's purpose for you if you're struggling in this. Reach out, say you need help, and get it. I want to pray for you now before we close. Father, we're grateful for the way that you speak into our lives, and especially today for Shane and Alicia and their story and how you used their life, God, how you used their struggle many years ago to share with us and give us hope and give us a sense that we are not alone, that you have your design in our life, you have your will for our life. God, lead us to the place where we can cry out to you and begin the process of healing. And for family members, God, who have loved ones that struggle with this or have passed away because of it, continue to open our hearts to healing. Continue to have us speak to you about our desires, to speak to you about our pain. You are a great, loving Heavenly Father who does not condemn but is full of grace, and we love you. Amen.